which linebacker would you prefer that they take? So higher? many good linebackers. I mean, I'm really like, which one profiles the closest to Rashawn Evans? Welcome into the Titans 10 for Wednesday, March the 23rd. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network, joined as always by James Foster of at No Flags Film on Twitter and Patreon and YouTube. James, how's it going, man? Going pretty well, man. Just, uh, you know, grinding, preparing for draft season. That's right. James was telling me uh, before we got on that that he has been up since four this morning doing what exactly? Uh, well, I'm basically trying to create this uh, like spider chart thing uh, for combine data for my draft guide. And, oh, like uh, the, the webs. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And I've made like five different versions and I just keep like uh, changing it. <laughs> keep toying because with Because I'm terrible at time management. So you're a maniac. You're, you're a crazy person. Um, and another person that was formerly was a maniac uh, when it came to, Sports and football, and it's what makes him so interesting to talk to, is Mike Herndon, who's our special guest today. Uh, we'll be getting to the Mike interview here shortly, but Mike, formerly retired, or not formerly retired, former writer for Broadway Sports Media covering the Titans. He comes out of retirement just for a few moments today to speak with us. We covered pretty much everything, James, didn't we? We, we, we went everywhere from the, the draft to uh, a lot of linebacker talk, a lot of Chris Ballard talk. Uh, did some uh, some rapid fire questions to round out the interview. It was a good one, but we kind of covered a, a bunch of ground. Yeah, you know, got into some personal stuff, talked about our goals, aspirations, failures, you know, the one that got away. That's right. Uh, felt There's like a lot I, of tears shed. You, you yeah, don't no, want to sit down to listen to this podcast. I feel like we really uh, grew closer <laughs> as the podcast went on. All right, well, let's let's jump into it. Uh, without further ado, enjoy our interview and chat with Mike Herndon. All right, let's welcome into the show, friend of the show, Mike Herndon. You surely know of him if you're into the sports scene here in Nashville. He's a semi-retired writer uh, covering the Titans in a past life. He uh, was pretty seminal in Broadway sports media, becoming a thing and, and getting off the ground, and he was uh, a real credit to publication until he decided to leave and and uh, do other things like take care of his hilarious and uh, wild two-year-old at home and and focus on some other things with with other work but Mike still of course pays attention to the Titans and he's great to talk to about the Titans still a very sharp mind knows what he's talking about so we got him in here Mike how's it going today man it's good. It's good. My mental faculties have not quite fully left, although <laughs> I, I will admit that I am probably more retired than ever. I, last year, I feel like it was more semi-retirement. I yeah. feel like I'm trending in, in the more retired direction. Um, just, well, this is the time uh, of year yeah. for that feeling because everything's changing. And if you're not keeping up with it full time, then then I can understand that. It is. Although I will say free agency has kind of reeled me back in a little bit. I, I was really adrift there for a minute. And, yeah, you know, Bobby Trees has got me interested again. Well, let's talk about him because that's the big, the biggest move the Titans have made in free agency in the offseason so far. I, I was thinking about this today with Robert Woods. Is there anything? And, and this was this thought was sparked by reading. I don't know if you you saw on Twitter the the statement put out by his former teammate and Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup, uh, kind of a goodbye letter to to Robert Woods, who obviously meant a lot to him as a teammate 
over there in LA. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking, I'm not sure I've ever been more certain about a player coming in and being successful with the Titans, barring any health injury issues. Is there anything about Bobby trees that gives you pause being a successful receiver on this team? I mean, I guess the only, the only hang up I have, you know, is the 30 year old guy coming off of an injury who wasn't necessarily a super athlete to begin with. Um, you know, he's, he's athletic enough, but he's one of those guys where, you know, you kind of feel like if he starts to lose a step, it could become a little bit more difficult for him, uh, to separate at the NFL level. So I, I think that's the one slight concern, but it's not like he was fading before the injury. So that this would only be a situation where if the injury just saps his athleticism to a degree that it's yep. just, you know, he can't win anymore would be my only potential hangup. But I just don't think, I don't think ACLs are that injury anymore um, to a large degree. I mean, I do think there's reason to have a little bit of uh, tempered expectations for year one, just because that almost always is the case with guys coming back. Um, They're just not quite themselves until that second year back from the injury. But I think 2023 and beyond, and probably even late 2022, you're probably going to see a guy that looks a lot like, the guy that we saw in LA, which is a perfect fit for the Titans. I mean, you get, can't ask for a better cultural fit, uh, scheme fit, what they want to do. And I think obviously the feeling was mutual. This is where he wanted to be. And I think that's a big deal too. Um, Cause I, you know, this hasn't always been a, a destination for guys like Robert Woods. Um, and right. now it is. So I, I think it's, it's a great marriage between mindset skill set um and, and scheme and I, i'm excited to see it and i think he'll he'll have a good effect too on aj brown and and some of the other guys in that receiver room hopefully uh with with more young guys coming uh in the next month or two it's interesting that you mention uh the injuries because i almost i sort of had the opposite takeaway um after studying him this week like i sort of view robert woods as someone that will age well uh, because he doesn't rely on his athleticism, uh, you know, like doesn't solely rely on his athleticism to create separation. He's really technically sound. And so he strikes me as the kind of guy that like, even at 33, uh, could still put up, you know, 700, 800 yards. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think like there's, it's easy to sort of draw parallels in your mind to the Julio uh, trade from last off season, but it's just a completely different situation because we're not really risking anything. It's just like a no brainer move to make. Yeah. And that, you know, there is definitely a, a lower risk situation than, than Julio, both from a, you know, investment standpoint, obviously with it just being like a future six, which is basically the, the least you could possibly give up uh, in a trade. Um, and you know, financial investment and he's not quite as old as Julio and Julio is a guy that won on his athleticism. Um, you know, his, his ability to steam off the line, like a freight train and then stop on a dime was what made Julio Julio and without a hamstring that could hold up to that kind of, uh, you know, demand from his body anymore. I feel like that's kind of where you 
could see, you know, his, his, I do agree that his skill set was certainly more reliant on being uh, an above and beyond athlete than a guy like Robert Woods. Um, I, I think that's a good point. And Teron, we had Teron uh, Davenport on last week, early. Yeah, yeah last, last week. week. Um, and he said that he believes if the Titans had gotten to see Julio practice, they wouldn't have made that trade. Um, and he was just talking about how violent he Julio is uh, and all of his cuts. Like, <laughs> just from a pure volume standpoint, he said that Julio, like, stopping on a curl route was the loudest of – any receiver and it's the kind of thing where like once your hamstrings start to go and you have that sort of play style and, and way of running routes, it's, it's kind of hard to move away from that. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think also like Robert Woods it, it, calling Julio a scheme fit is an insult to Julio because like he's a hall of famer. You can just put him into any scheme and he'll, work out but Robert Woods is just such a clear scheme fit from what he adds as a run blocker um having played in Sean McVay's offense that's you know very similar to a lot of the stuff that the Titans run um so yeah I mean I I I have pretty high hopes for it um I wanted to uh ask you a little bit about the draft and ask about um, like, obviously the Titans are taking a linebacker, which linebacker would you prefer that they take? Would you rather, <laughs> or um, I mean, there's a lot of good linebackers, you know, Troy Anderson, Montana state, Who, who's the guy that's kind of so many good linebackers. I mean, I'm really like, which one profiles the closest to Rashawn Evans? Because I think we'd all really like to relive that. That's experience. a good benchmark. No, it is. And I think it's not being <laughs> talked about enough um, because, you know, rumored he's going to go potentially play for a division rival. And you're going to have to you're going to I mean, you're going to have to replace that on this roster. Um, the defense was improved <laughs> last year, but if they if they don't. If they don't fill that hole, it's it's not going to matter. It's all going to be a wash. It's just, that's just emblematic of the the talent uh, consolidation that's happening in the AFC. I mean, everybody is loading up. You've got the Broncos getting Russell Wilson, Titans yep. getting Robert Woods, Raiders getting Devontae Adams, Jaguars going after Rashawn Evans. I mean, it's like it was wow, actually man. beat ourselves up by the playoffs. Uh, it, can they put Monty Rice back in the draft and then pick him with the 26th pick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's like, it's so, it feels like such a cliche, just unimportant thing to like complain about mock drafts. Like me and Easton were talking about this on our last show. Like when people, when these people do mock drafts, they're really just trying to say, these are 32 players that I think are going to go in the first round. They're not really looking at it from like a team building standpoint, in my opinion, but it, it's just so lazy <laughs> to uh, mock the Titans a linebacker. I mean, it, they so obviously just Googled Titans needs. And like, there's probably some website that's the first thing on Google that says we need a linebacker. And that's where everybody thinks. we. Well, need. hang on. Not, not if you're Sam Monson, because I know he knows something about football. And uh, I was informed today by Sam Monson that the Titans fans are delusional about their linebackers. Isn't that, I mean, I saw you, I know you saw that Mike, it, it's, uh, it's it was an interesting take from a guy that otherwise I think is is really intelligent and I enjoy his content, but he seems to be very out on the existing inside linebacker situation for the Titans and thinks that'd be a great place for them to go in the first round, which is, is just absurd. Hey, and, and like I replied to Sam there, it, it was, 
I don't think any Titans fan is under the impression that they've got two Darius Leonard's, right? Like, no, it, it is not, you know, nobody's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Zach Cunningham and David Long got snubbed for all pro votes. Like nobody's making that argument, but they're both, they certainly were good enough. I, I mean, when you had those two together, if you look at it, kind of the run defense stats when those two guys were playing on the field at the same time at the end of the season. Oh my God. Like nobody was running on this team. Uh, the defense had their best stretch of football over that, that run. And it's not like, you know, and yes, run defense is kind of, uh, you know, Oh great. You're awesome. at stopping the run. That doesn't really matter if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, but you know, David Long is a plus in coverage. Um, and Zach Cunningham probably isn't, but the Titans did so much dime stuff last year in passing downs that it doesn't really matter that much. And you can certainly have Zach Cunningham playing in more of a two down two down role and not be in a bad spot at inside linebacker. So not only do I think the Titans are perfectly fine at inside linebacker, and, and frankly, I think Monty Rice still has a chance to be at least a serviceable linebacker himself. And as a third guy, you're certainly not that worried about him. He got some reps last year and was decent. Um, but it's not a good positional value to take in the first round. Like, when's the last time someone was really happy that they took a first round inside linebacker? Like, well, that's the, that's the weird thing is that, is that – <laughs> Sam Monson and everyone at PFF, I think accurately is against taking linebackers in the first round. So it's kind of yeah. weird coming from him. It's like, it, it is, it's, it's bizarre because I mean, even like, you know, Darius Leonard and Fred Warner, are probably the two linebackers that most people at least drafted recently would say, wow, that's a really valuable player to a defense. Those guys were second round picks. Like, I mean, you can find them in the second round. I thought Fred Warner uh, was a third rounder. He may have been a third. He may have been a third. So, uh, but they were both in the, in the Rashawn Evans draft uh, with Leighton Vanderesh and uh, what, what was the um, uh, Roquan uh, that went to the Bears yep. and Roquan was there Smith, one Titan, more? Titans nailed that and, one. Yeah, in in the first round that uh, I can't remember if there's one more that went in the first round before. Uh, Leonard went off in the second, but yeah, that, that tells you what you need to know right there, right? <laughs> like those were the consensus first round inside linebacker guys. They all ended up being pretty bad. I mean, if Van Der Esch and Evans got benched before the end of their rookie contracts. And I don't think anyone is, is saying that Roquan Smith in the top, what he went top 10, didn't he? Uh, that, that was an awesome pick, uh, or awesome value there. So it's, um, yeah, it, don't take an inside linebacker in the first round, whatever you do Titans, just please do not do that. And I don't think they will because they're not crazy people. I mean, we, we make fun of people for mocking the Titans linebackers, but I, like, could you imagine if they were actually just had really good sources and like the Titans do take Nicobe Dean? I'm, I would have to like, I would probably go back to school and just like quit doing this, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a disaster. All right. Let's move on to the offensive line. And I just want you to tell me how you see right now the offensive line shaking out left to right. All right. So I'm going to say Lawan at left tackle, Raidens at left guard, Jones at center, Davis at right guard, and Jamarco Jones or a rookie at right tackle is, is going to be my guess. 
So Jamarco Jones a right tackle is what yeah, I mean. Uh, maybe, maybe. I I think the I mean, I look, I'll say this. Offensive line is the one spot, like, and I know the John Robinson hates rookies things. It's like a narrative that's out there. I don't know that I necessarily buy that completely. Well, um, it's the combination of that and offensive linemen traditionally it, having yes. a hard time getting their feet wet, right? I mean, it's, I, it's I think gonna that's, be, yeah. And that's something I do agree with is that if you start a rookie offensive lineman, you're asking for a bad time almost almost across the board um even even the good ones like i mean uh what was it? spencer brown for the bills yep. played pretty well last year he didn't start right away i mean it took him a little bit of time to get into the starting lineup so i think there's a real chance that you're looking at demarco jones as your week one right tackle or ratings I, I mean i guess it's going to be intriguing and we're going to find out pretty quick what they view ratings as when we see them in camp this year, because it, it seems unlikely to me that they're going to sign a starter uh, offensive lineman at, at this point. Maybe, maybe they will, maybe they'll go get a Daryl Williams, who I think would be a really nice addition. Um, hmm. And, and by the way, could go play right tackle or left guard. Um, but you've kind of got three guys at that point, even if you did that, that could all play both spots uh theoretically i know demarco jones has played both of those spots radens has obviously practiced at both of those spots um and uh daryl williams has played both those spots so i i, I don't know I, my hunch is that they view radens more as a guard than a tackle at this point just because of how much practice time he spent at guard last year versus tackle and obviously he did get some looks there in the preseason um, he played that game against the Niners uh, at left right. tackle. Um, but I think well, their first instinct was guard. So I, I don't know. Right. Well, and that's the, that's the big question surrounding him, Mike, right? Is Raiden's do, – do you think they actually have their mind made up? Do you think they know? Like, are, are, do you think that they have in-house a, a solution? Oh, yeah, we view him as this. Or do you think they're maybe continuing to – leave their options open and they may make their mind up depending on how the draft and the rest of the off season goes. I, I hope they have a plan. <laughs> I, if they do, they haven't made it clear. Um, right. And they're, they're certainly not going to come out and tell anybody like, that's just not the way that they operate with the media, but yep. um, their actions tell me they don't have a plan nailed down for him. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's just a fact of, look, this guy hasn't performed well enough um, on our practice fields for us to nail down a plan for him yet. Like he hasn't mm. inserted himself into our plans yet. Um, and that's that's certainly a possibility. And, you know, there's all the excuses for Raiden's. Uh, you know, he was a small school left tackle. You're asking to either flip sides or move inside to guard. He didn't play for a full year because of COVID shutting down the uh, FCS programs. You know, there's a lot of reasons for him to struggle out of the gate. Um, but eventually, and I really think we'll pro probably find out pretty quick uh, come OTAs, eventually you've got to insert yourself into the plans, right? Like that is, that is the call to the player to as a second round pick to say, Hey, look, this is why you guys drafted me. And, and here I am, I'm ready to compete. So I, I think there's a, there's a, a lot of possibilities. 
um, and not a lot of answers with Dylan Radens right now. I think you made a really good point uh, earlier, like a few minutes ago, about how the narrative about John Robinson not wanting to play like high draft picks early is kind of overblown. And so I, I've been, I went back and looked at like, just take like top three round draft picks. Caleb Farley was obviously injured. Dylan Radins uh, didn't, in my opinion, look good enough to like warrant uh playing uh, you know I didn't watch him play and be like oh my god like why are they stashing this guy on the bench um Monty Rice got serious minutes Elijah Molden was a starter for pretty much the entire year Rashad Weaver got injured like week two uh playing um Isaiah Wilson I don't think anybody's complaining that he didn't see the field enough you know Christian Fulton played uh a lot uh, his rookie year before he got injured Jeffrey Simmons obviously had the injury uh, AJ Brown in the second round, huge rookie year. Nate Davis was a huge part of the playoff run. Uh, Rashawn Evans played. Harold Landry played 600 snaps his rookie year. Adoree Jackson played over a thousand snaps his rookie year. Like I'm looking down at all of these picks, and it, it, I didn't even realize until you mentioned that how kind of overblown that narrative is. It is. I think it's one of the bigger misnomers about Robinson. I think. And Vrabel, I guess, really more so Vrabel. Uh, I think Vrabel is anti-playing bad rookies. And I think that's a stance that we're all okay with. Um, Or injured rookies, which is uh, obviously not even a choice. But I I think if you're you're a rookie and you're drafted, he's not going to sit you on the bench just because. Um, And and I think, you know, yes, he does want guys to prove themselves. And even A.J. Brown, who was pretty – pretty good pretty early you know and he showed in camp you know pretty quickly but he was injured at the beginning of camp and missed a big chunk of camp and then I think that's really the reason why you know Tajay Sharp was still getting some snaps ahead of him like in the first few weeks of the season I think it was just a reps thing and it's not like they were stowing him on the bench. I mean, he had a hundred yards and a touchdown in his first NFL game, or maybe he didn't have a touchdown, but he had a hundred yards in his first game. He was playing a lot. I mean, he was, he was the guy and it was kind of stunning at the time that, you know, they would, they would come out in these 13 personnel packages with three tight ends and AJ Brown would be the sole receiver um, on the field, not Corey Davis, who at the time was, you know, the presumed number one. Um, So, they definitely were using Brown uh, immediately. So I I think it's, it's a, yeah, misconstrued conception, but I do think like, like Easton mentioned rookie offensive lineman is a totally different story. Um, And that is not a Titan specific thing. That's an across the league thing that usually these guys suck. Uh, we've gotten, we've gotten spoiled. (laughs) We've gotten spoiled by Rashawn Slater and, and Penny Sewell and uh, right. Christian works like nor- that's not normal for guys to just come in and be all pro caliber players uh, their rookie season. Yep. Yeah. And, and Jack Conklin. I mean, like that's, that's, that's the exception, not the rule. Usually it's like, wow, this guy's really bad and he's getting beat yeah. multiple, multiple times a game. Even if he turns out to be a good player, eventually it's usually pretty rough early. I mean, Nate Davis was a disaster. Uh, oh yeah. The whole year. Probably like, 10 weeks as a starter and then like the last like two or three weeks of the season a little he bit started to kick it on into yep. the playoffs and it was like oh 
in the playoffs, we're seeing this guy, okay, he creates displacement in the run game. Okay, he's not a total liability in pass protection. And then he kind of backslid in that regard a little bit last year. But he's turned into a pretty good guard, but he was so bad early. And that's what you're asking for if you're starting a rookie uh, in any of those spots, especially one that's not a top 10 pick. Well, and you know what other position tends to take a while to pop? Tight end. How's that for a transition? Let's talk tight end (laughs) on this team. Uh, The Titans signed Austin Hooper, the other big free agency move that they made. uh, Well, I mean, I guess Robert Woods wasn't a free agency move, but in the free agency period, they got Austin Hooper from the Browns. He comes over after a couple of years in Cleveland, kind of, I guess, underachieving based on what they paid him coming from Atlanta, what he showed as his promise in Atlanta. Um, But the question is posed naturally how much of that has to do with the Browns and Baker Mayfield and that whole situation he was in. We talked about this last week in, in quite a bit of detail and, and James, I know has gone through the film. He's done film cutups. You can check it out on his social media and on his Patreon. Austin Hooper, pretty clearly a underrated pass or not pass blocker, uh, a, a pretty underrated run blocker, which is obviously something that if the Titans saw that on tape, as James did, I'm sure attracted them to him. He also, in terms of pass catching, immediately bar none the best in the tight end room. That's already very sparse. I mean, it's really him and Jeff Swaim and Tommy Hudson, and then a bunch of lawn chairs and deck furniture. And you could argue those last two are lawn chairs in their own right. Um, <laughs> how, how big of an upgrade is this Austin Hooper signing it's 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 a relative thing, right? Because I think Austin Hooper, not the biggest name on the tight end market, obviously, but going from Jeff Swaim tight end one to Austin Hooper tight end one means what to you for this team? Yeah, I think it's big because I, I think it's it's like you said, it's kind of r- marginal improvement or like relative improvement over what was there, right? You know, and and the Titans losing Johnny Smith and just basically choosing not to replace him turned out to be a problem last year. And I think, you know, they kind of figured that maybe Julio Jones uh, was going to fill some of that gap because he was going to soak up a bunch of targets that otherwise maybe would have gone to uh, Janu, but that didn't happen uh, for injury reasons, obviously. So, you know, they ended up with just, you know, AJ Brown and a bunch of warm bodies for a big chunk of the season. It was dumb of them to not fill that hole. It is. It it was in, in, or to try to fill that hole with a guy that was as unreliable as Julio Jones injury wise, uh, at least the year before. Um, so it is. And I think that if you want to trace back the roots of the Tannehill problem and, and struggles of the offense in general, I think a lot of that can be traced back to AJ Brown and a bunch of warm bodies. Um, yeah. So I think adding Hooper brings another element to the offense and, and it brings an element that they lost with Janu in that yes, Ferkser is a pretty decent route runner and pass catcher. He's not as good as Austin Hooper, um, but yep. he does have that ability, but he can't block at all. And mm-hmm. the fact that Hooper can be on the field on early downs and give you that, kind of run past threat that, that right. it's, you know, it's, really, it, it was really Titans are meant to be right. They were, they, the Titans were very guilty of, and it of no fault of their own at the time, teleporting what they were doing based on their personnel in, in especially towards the end of the season. I mean, I remember sitting there watching the, the final game of the year, the playoff game. And it, 
and it was like the 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 Bengals would would change their defensive personnel like clockwork without fail based on who the Titans are running out there at tight end. You knew exactly what they were about to do based on who they had on the field. There was no element of uh, a dual threat whatsoever with either of the guys or with any of the guys they had at the tight end position. Do you, do you think Austin Hooper being on this team with Jeff Swain and I guess Tommy Hudson and some other warm bodies, is that enough? Do you think two questions, do you think they are done at that position in this off season? And do you think they should be done? I don't, I'll say no to both. I don't think they are done. I don't think they should be done. I think they so signed they go? to a one-year year deal, right? So right. I th- still think you need a tight end of the future at some point because they had everybody yep. on one-year deals last year. They're going to have everyone on one-year deals again this year. At some point, you've got to find a guy that, that can be a part of this offense long-term. And I think they're going to draft somebody. I think – it's not a good top end draft. Like there is no Kyle Pitts. Uh, there is no even TJ Hawkinson uh, in this draft class, but I think there are a lot of good tight ends that will be solid pros, maybe not superstars, maybe not like George Kittle or, or, you know, somebody like that. But I think they are, there are guys that will be good pros that can be solid uh, you know, tight ends for a, a team like the Titans who they don't necessarily need a superstar. Like, I think we all say, look, you want this offense to run through A.J. Brown. Um, you want this offense to run through Derrick Henry to some degree. Uh, yep. Those are your guys. Um, you need solid. Um, you need solid. And so you've got Robert Woods, too, now. So you've got three pretty big mouths to feed as far as from a touch distribution standpoint. You don't need a superstar. Um, you just need a solid enough who can block, who can give you that run block, run pass conflict out of the tight end spot that, like, look – that's why teams love 12 personnel is because you can, you can put teams into conflict where they're they've, we've got good enough blockers that we can run it down your throat if you go light. Um, but if you go heavy and you want to cover Austin Hooper with a linebacker, then we've got matchup matchups that we like uh, that we can go to out of, out of the past game too. So that's why teams love that. And the Titans could not really use that to their advantage at all last year, which I think hamstrung, uh, Todd Downing to some degree, not that he didn't do some hamstring of his own accord, but, um, it, you know, they didn't have personnel that created a lot of conflicts or mismatches uh, just across the board for most of last season. So I, I think Hooper and, and we can, I actually, the tight end is really the spot that I've, I've probably studied the most as far as the draft goes so far, but I still come back to like Jeremy Ruckert and Kate Otten, like one of those two guys I feel like needs to be on this football team and, and probably needs to be taken in the third or fourth round, uh, wherever they end up falling. Um, those guys fit like perfectly for what the Titans like to do. They have the mentality, they have the, uh, the ability to at least give them some sort of threat stretching the seams, but they're also not willing to stick their nose in and block. Um, and I think that's the only way that one of these guys is going to play early on with Austin Hooper uh, in the locker room, because Hooper is going to be your third down tight end, which is, is kind of nice to have when you don't have to, you know, use a specialty guy like Ferkser, which was essentially just a big slot receiver. I want to shift to uh, one of my favorite segments that uh, I like to call who is the most overrated GM in the NFL and why is it Chris Ballard? <laughs> oh, Mike knows this one. Mike knows the answer. 
I, I do. I love this one. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics because Chris Ballard just the media slobbers over him for for just really no reason. I mean, they're they're. Well, I'll tell you the reason. Among GMs in the league, he is the he's maybe the media darling. He he has more media contacts than any other GM that I can pick up on. I hear I hear people in the national media talking about talking to Chris Ballard more than any other GM in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think he is uh, probably a source for a lot of them, which carries you oh, know, yeah. him a lot of favors. Obviously. He loves to chat it up. Uh, but uh, Ballard, yeah, the Colts are funny. I mean, they, they continue to be, oh gosh, the Colts, look at them. They're Super Bowl contenders. They got Carson Wentz. Uh, oh gosh, they're Super Bowl contenders. They got Phillip Rivers and like, these guys now are they're right not, back in it, baby. Right. Yeah. Matt Ryan. Now he's the guy. Look at him. He's not <laughs> declining. He was just waiting for Quentin Nelson to be his guard um, <laughs> and, have, and have no tackle on the other side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't have uh, we don't have a whole lot, but we've got Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and uh, Braden Smith. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> enjoy that. Um, yeah. The Colts are funny. I Look, they're a pretty good team. Like they've got some talented players. They've still got a talented front seven on defense. Um, the secondary is a major, major question mark for them. The offensive yep. line, I think, is a very sneaky major question sneaky mark for them. Question. Yep. They were not that good last year. Even Quentin Nelson was not that good last year. Um, the left tackle was terrible all year, um, and they don't really, they don't even have him on the roster anymore. So I don't know what they're going to do there. And they lost, you know, Glowinski was not a very good right guard, but he was serviceable. He was kind of like, I'd say he's kind of their Josh Klein. Um, and that's a good, call. you know, losing him is, is not a huge blow, but they also don't have a replacement right now. So uh, the Colts, you know, everyone is ready to jump the gun and proclaim them AFC South champs again for the, the 22nd straight year. Uh, in, in the media preseason rankings. Uh, Which is great but, if you're trying to bet the Titans' futures. I mean, well, that's you true. Can, you can get them at even odds with the Colts right now, by the way, if you're looking to make a quick however much money you have in the bank. Yeah. I just yeah. I just think it's funny because, like, I, Chris Ballard is an average GM. Like, I, he's I not think terrible. He's, he's a top uh, – he's, like, in the 10 to 15 range probably. Yep. Yes. But he basically – comes in he has that 2017 draft where he gets handed quentin nelson i'm not going to give him credit for that i will give him credit for drafting darius leonard and uh Braden smith those were mm-hmm. good draft picks and then everybody just kind of like said oh wow chris ballard is this amazing gm and then turned their brains off and uh didn't pay attention to like every other move that he's made ballard's record is something like 41 and 40 um over the course of his career as a GM and everyone goes, well, he had Andrew Luck retire on him out of nowhere. Well, guess what? 90% of GMs that come into new jobs, unless they're like, aren't gifted Andrew Luck. Exactly. Yeah. Unless they're promoted like uh, Eric DaCosta, which I mean, that really didn't, wasn't like the same situation, but unless they're taking over for a GM who's retiring, it was doing a great job with roster building. They don't get to inherit a top five quarterback in the league. Like that is just not the jobs that come open. Cause usually those teams are winning. Um, so yeah, don't, don't, 
I'm not crying for uh, Chris Ballard that he lost Andrew Luck, which, by the way, was four years ago at this point, and he still hasn't managed to find a suitable replacement. He just keeps trading for the expensive uh, cap rot veterans from other teams um, and, and hoping that it sticks. That's a major condemnation on him. And say what you want about Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill has won the Titans two straight divisions. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has won, what what was he, 30 and 13 in the regular season uh, as a starter? I believe that so, yep. blows away anything that Carson Wentz did. Uh, it blows away anything that Phillip Rivers did. It's probably going to blow away whatever Matt Ryan does with the Colts. So, yeah, it, it, say what you want about Tannehill, but Robinson getting him for a fourth and paying like literally like $2 million of his salary that first year is a much better deal than anything that Ballard has done at the quarterback position. And that matters. That matters a lot. Um, you mentioned some of the tight ends, Kate Otten and uh, Jeremy Ruckert that you liked. Are there any other kind of like late to mid round uh, sleepers or gyms that have really caught your eye? I'm not sure how much, how much draft uh, film you've been grinding. You know, I honestly, I haven't been grinding a ton. Uh, part of my uh, partial retirement has been less, less film looking, uh, <laughs> looking up. So I, uh, I will say that I like the receiver class, which I feel like I say every year now, uh, just because college football is producing a lot of really talented receiver prospects, just because of the way that the game has changed with seven on sevens and, and all that stuff. There's just so many receivers that get so many reps um that they're just better now uh than they ever were but anyways uh you know I, a lot of people like him but i really like alec pierce uh the wide receiver from cincinnati i don't know that he's necessarily a sleeper anymore after the combine um but he was always a guy that stood out to me uh you know excellent body control and i feel like body control is one of those things that is hard to define but it's one of those things that you know it when you see it, and it almost always translates to good things in the NFL, in my opinion. And, and that's one right. of the things that I loved about A.J. Brown, and it was kind of like you know his baseball background, right? He was a center fielder, and you could see that in the way he played, um, the ability to make plays over his shoulder, the ability to track the ball through the air and kind of adjust his body uh, at the last second to make the catch. That stuff is... I feel like more important to receiver success than 40 times or, you know, anything else measurable. I feel like body control is, is just like, that's the trait that I feel like is most important and it shows up in different ways. Some, some people it's route running, some people it's making contested catches or, you know, being able to adjust to the ball, but you know, it shows up um, one way or another. And that is, kind of the thing that i i'd like about alex pierce or alec pierce um and, and several other guys i like i said i think this is a really nice receiver class well mike we're nearly out of time but before we go we wanted to try out we didn't tell you about this but you're gonna be a little guinea, guinea pig for a new segment we want to do to end Good. the interview we're gonna do a little a little two minute drill so i've got a couple of questions for you we'll do rapid fire just short answer okay so we're gonna go All through right. And uh, give me your thoughts, and James, feel free to chime in on on these if if uh, you have something to say as well. But I have, uh, let's see, one, two, about about eight questions to run by you, and then we'll get you out of here. So here's the first right. one: for the Titans, do you trade back or do you draft in the first round? Uh, depends on who's there, but I'd I'd love to. I'd love a trade back. 
All right. Number two, what positions would you be comfortable with the Titans taking in the first round? Uh, offensive tackle, wide receiver, quarterback. Interesting. He throws quarterback in there. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chatter about <laughs> that in the coming weeks. I was I, I tweeted this out earlier today, just that as as the draft season goes on, inevitably you start the draft season with everybody super cold on a draft class, whether they're good or not. Um, and in this case, super cold on a what is really a kind of lackluster draft class for quarterbacks. But the the echo chamber will produce very positive takes by the end of the draft cycle, right? So people are, are going to be talking about these guys. I'm sure some of them as potential franchise guys by the time it's all said and done. And I'm sure Titans fans and Titans Twitter will fall into a, a good bit of that as well. But I have not, I have not warmed up to this draft class at all. I will not <laughs> be warming class to this draft blows. class. No, that's we're we're a very anti this quarterback draft class podcast. No, like forget quarterback, just like the class in general. True, the whole class in general, yes, but the quarterbacks in particular. Um, it's not one great. of those classes where like the the like big draft guys are like, oh, there's a there's a ton of depth in the fourth round. Like, no, that means the class sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a big point. Yeah, yeah. All right, number three, Jeff Swaim is overpaid by how much money? Uh, two and a half million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. He's, uh, he's, he's making what three and a half. So, uh, about a, yeah. about a, a million dollar value. And he's, he's a credit to, him. Guy. credit to his agent. Um, I, I, I need to figure out who that guy is and potentially hire him in the future. <laughs> Number four on a scale of one to 10, letting running back Deontay Foreman walk mattered. How much to the Titans? Uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the right answer. That's, that's as, too as, high. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about saying zero, but I felt like that was against the spirit of the the, the question there. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it was not a it was not a big deal. Uh, and I'm a huge uh, Foreman fan, by the way. I, I really like the way he ran. No, yeah, he I'm was he was guy. great runner. It but just you are doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. yeah, no, they can find they can find value elsewhere. Number five: Do the Titans make another significant offseason move before the season begins? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I think it's, it's mostly filler and, and draft from here. I think you're right. And I, uh, people won't be happy with that, but uh, I mean, it, where's the money? Where's the need, right? It's very, uh, it's this team is as much as there are issues with this team. It's a pretty complete team and it's a good thing because they don't have a ton of money. Um, all right. Number seven, I believe we're on. Is there a sneak? Speaking of this team, is there a sneaky big hole in this roster that you can think of at all? Is there a place that you're like, people aren't talking about this as much as they should? They really should shore up this position. Um, inside linebacker. Um, <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> no, um, I, I really don't think there's a huge hole. I, I would like to see them add another edge rusher of some capacity like i really liked what i saw from rashad weaver in preseason last year mm -hmm. um, but obviously coming back from the injury we still haven't seen what he looks like in regular season action and you know that's not a spot where you want to risk being an injury away from like another what was it uh what was that guy's name uh wyatt brooks or whatever uh <laughs> wyatt ray the, uh, uh, no, I think I'm combining two people. Brooks Reed and, and Brooks Wyatt Reed Ray. And Wyatt Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be one injury away from that. So, 
True. True. That's a, that's a good point. All right. Last one as constituted today. And of course there's still, there's a draft. There's a lot of off season left. A lot of things can change, but as of today is the Titans Super Bowl window open ajar or closed? Uh, I'm, you gave me an out, so I'm going to take it. A jar. A jar. It, it, okay. is, it is a jar. Um, they, they, I, I still think this team could do uh, big things at some point. Like if they can get Robert Woods and AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, you know, healthy and kind of rolling and maybe get the offensive line repaired a little bit here through uh, either development of their own, which by the way, like, I feel like, Internal development is one of those things that nobody ever talks about during the offseason, but it's probably the most important part of players a team. Right, exactly. Like, yes, the Titans may not add a name, but like if a guy takes a leap from year one to year two, like say, and I'm not predicting this, but say Dylan Radens is is all of a sudden a really good right tackle next year. Like that's a huge deal. Um, People don't factor that in. And nobody factors that in when they're looking at offseason. And and frankly, the Titans under Mike Vrabel have been one of the better development teams, I feel like, in the league. Like, guys tend to get better. Like, look at David Long. Look at Nate Davis. Look at, like, there's a laundry list. Ben Jones is still improving at, what, age 32, 33, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, these guys get better uh, year over year when they're playing here, generally. So, I, I think that's an underrated part of – roster building is is can your coach can your coaching staff develop talent um and and i think the titans can so i think that's a huge advantage absolutely well mike thank you so much for joining james and i we appreciate it Uh, it's always great to have you on the show i'm sure we'll have you back in the future um thanks for thanks for uh being semi-retired but not retired enough to not join us and talk (laughs) football so uh, we appreciate it and uh thanks for coming on absolutely happy to do it guys thanks 